0: We've been in this series called The Basics. Uh, we've uh, talked about these, I, I thought this morning, I, I should have called this like, uh, No Duh, Mark. That should have been the series name, No Duh, Mark. Uh, that's what I used to say as a middle schooler when someone said something stupid. Did anybody else do that? No, duh. Uh, these things are so fundamental, so rudimentary, that you're probably sitting in these messages and been like, yeah, Mark, we know that stuff. But, but here's the deal, uh, Christians know lots of stuff. Uh, it's, it's not for lack of information. Uh, that we uh, sometimes uh, uh, miss the mark in following Jesus. It's application and, 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 and reminding ourselves of the things that are fundamental and rudimentary and, and, and making sure that, that we have our part in those. And so we've talked about the word. We need to be people of the book. I challenge you to be in your Bibles more. If you haven't uh, taken that challenge as the year starts, please do. There's, there's like uh, scientific data that says people who read their Bibles on a regular basis, at least four times a week, they report just, uh, you know, uh, huge differences in, in several of the, the markers that would be, you know, quality of life issues for us. Reading the Bible makes a difference. Please read yours. We talked last week about the work of God. We should be people of the word of God, but we should be people about the work of God. He's gifted all of us to do things for him. Everybody has a part to play. Uh, we, we understand uh, that uh, we have been entrusted with um, what he's given us to serve him with it, like uh, we read in the parable of the talents and the master who invested through them. God's invested in us, and we need to take it seriously, that investment, and serve him, whether it's here in church, at our uh, various ministries, uh, but beyond that, outside in the world around us, uh, we are servants of Christ. The word, the work, and now we get to the we. Uh, we... Do you know that uh, Christianity is not a personal thing? I mean, it is on a, on a level. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be so, you know, sweeping. It is a personal choice that everybody needs to make, right? But when I talk to people about their faith and they tell me, well, you know, it's, it's very personal, Mark. I'm always quick to correct them. No, it's not personal. Your faith was given you by Christ uh, so that you might share it with other people who don't have it yet. Does everybody get that about us? Salt and light, that's us. We're here to share the good news. So don't make it personal. Don't, you know, hide it under a bush. Oh, no, All right. Some of you are old enough. Uh, we're we're going to let it shine. This light that's in us, we're going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. All right, good. Uh, so, so in that respect, it's not a personal thing. Your faith is not meant to just stay with you. But uh, beyond the people who need Jesus, there's the people who have found Jesus. And did you know that your faith was given to you so that you could be given to other followers of Jesus Christ in life? You are here for each other. That's a, a newsflash for you. And all you've done is ever, you know, come into a room and, and face forward like we're riding on the same bus together, right? Uh, but you've never looked to the left or the right or found relationships with people who are in the body of Christ. That is... Uh, A crucial aspect of your experience in life with him. Jesus gave his life so that he might change your life, so that you might share your life with others who know and follow him. So this this thing's got to go from just me Christianity to we Christianity. Why is that so important? I can start theological. Pastors often do. You want to go there? Here we go. Uh, Do you know that the God we serve exists as three in one? And so God is Father, Son, and Spirit, and he functions eternally, co-equally, in this uh, always relationship with himself. Can't explain it much beyond that, but God exists in relationship with himself. Now, what does the Bible tell us about us? We are created in his image, We bear his image, and while we are not triune in our personal natures, we have been created with the same propensity, the same need for and desire for, at least we should have, uh, a desire for relationship so that we can truly bear his image and be relational as he is. Our book tells us over and over that we are here for each other. It describes it in this one word that I used to hate growing up. We're going to talk about fellowship today. Uh, my son loves the Lord of the Rings movies. And so when I think of fellowship, I think of elves and dwarves and uh, the fellowship of the ring, right? Uh, but before the fellowship of the ring uh, came into my uh, you know, purview, uh, I was always hearing at church growing up that we're going to have some fellowship tonight. We even had a building at our church called the Fellowship Hall. Did anybody have Fellowship Hall? <laughs> My pastor would get up and he'd say, "Hey, folks, don't forget tonight after church service because they used to have churches that services at night, which is fine if you if you let's keep going anyway." Uh, but, but back in the days when I would go to church twice on Sundays, we we do Sunday night church, and then it would be food, folks, and fun. We love our alliterations, don't we, these Christian people? Food, folks, and fun in the fellowship hall, <laughs> right? <laughs> And I remember being like, uh, oh, we're so lame." <laughs> now, don't get me wrong; I loved hanging out with the, you know, the other families in our church, and still, you know, uh, love uh, many that I've known uh, through the years, um, and and get that. But the word fellowship—it's—it's uh, it's a word that connotes the Christ life. We're meant to live in fellowship with each other. That's why, as we uh, discover the first church in Acts chapter two, familiar verses again. Uh, These are the basics. It says in verse 42 that this early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and two, say it with me. The fellowship, yeah, that's where we get it from, uh, to the breaking of bread and prayers. I'll talk about that more in a little bit. But look, skip down to verse 44 in that same chapter. It says this, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And that's not a word that's, uh, you know, translated in our texts as fellowship, but it comes from the same root. Fellowship in the verse 42 is the Greek word koinonia. Who's heard that one before? Uh, That means fellowship, and it's translated as such in our English Bibles. This word common it's from the same root as koinonia. It's the it's the uh, Greek uh, noun, koinos, and it means uh, uh, well. what We translate it as common. Both words with this group coin or ko- koinos. Koinos is the is the is the you know, base word. Um, uh, they they both mean common to share things in common. It's from whence we get words like community. We share things in common. Um, it's why gathering areas in certain places are called the commons. Did anybody have a commons at the high school you went to? I'll meet you in the commons. I grew up in Boston. The big park, the central park of Boston is called Boston Commons, and you would go to this park. And they called it that because everybody would go there and hang out and do life together and have hopefully fun, Not maybe not crime, but, uh, uh it was a scary place at times, but, uh, uh Uh, But they would have life in common. Fellowship is, that's what it is. Fellowship is having life in common. (sighs) Today I want to answer this question. What do Christians have in common? Lots of things. None of my sermons are exhaustive. Everybody gets that, right? I got 40 minutes to tell you something. I can't get it all in. I usually don't get it all in, if you're wondering, just so you know. Uh, But three things today about we as Christians and what we have in common. Uh, motions. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you. One person likes it. All right. That, no, no, that's too late. It's too late. Don't pander. Doesn't matter. I know the rest of you groaned. It's all. It's fine. If you're not. If you're new from. People don't like these. And if you don't, that's fine. God will judge. All right. Uh, I'm tired. Is anybody, Is anybody picking up? I'm tired. I'm a little loose. We were up here all weekend. We had a great weekend up here at the conference that we did. But it was a long weekend. Let's get through this, shall we? Here's the motions. What do we have in common as Christians? First of all, hand on your hearts, everybody, go ahead. We have a common faith, See that. We share a common faith. We share a common faith, all right? Now, put your arms around someone next to you. Hopefully you've met them. (laughs) It's gonna be weird. Hi, how you doing? Uh, We share a common family. Say that, we share a common family. We, We share a common faith, right? And we share a common family. All right, this is my favorite one. Hope we get to it. Uh, but we also share, put your fists together like this and pound them. A common friction. <laughs> so you're like, thats like that's part of fellowship. Um, unfortunately, yeah, it is. So what's the first one? We share a common, and then we share a common, and then we share a common, and we're going to talk about all three as we go forward today. Let's talk, uh, first of all, about a common faith. Now uh, The life that we share in common with Christ starts with this common faith that we have in his gospel. Um, Here in Acts chapter 2, Peter famously preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost. Jesus had told him and his friends to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. Uh, It had been 40 days since Christ had uh, risen into the skies uh, to prepare a place for us. But on that day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples in this upper room. They are empowered by the Spirit to speak languages they don't know. Cool, right? And they stumble out in this high feast day here in Jerusalem and start speaking these languages that uh, others knew, but they knew these fishermen from, you know, Galilee had no business knowing. And so they're all asking the question, how, guy, how can you guys do this? And it gives Peter the audience Uh, that he preaches this first gospel message too. I'm not going to go over all the the message. Read it. It's like, hey, I told you to read your Bibles. Read this one. Read this message as you uh, read this week. But it culminates with Peter saying, hey, this Lord and Savior who is Jesus, you guys, and he's pointing at actual people who had been there, you know, some two, a month and a half ago when he was crucified, you guys put him to death. And it says in our scriptures, verse 37 of Acts chapter 2, that these uh, people in this audience were cut to the heart by the preaching of, of the gospel of Jesus. And they say to people, uh, Peter Peter at Peter, Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? We've heard the gospel. We know we need this savior that we are complicit in the death of. What do we do now? And Peter keeps preaching. Look what he says. He says to them verse 38, repent and be baptized. Baptized is this literal dunking in the water, but baptized also means identify. Baptizo is the Greek word for identify yourself with. So repent of your sins, identify every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Choose Jesus as your savior for your sins, and he'll give you the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive as a result the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Wave at me, wave at me. We're the wave at me. Come on, we're all who were far off. He's talking about us there. That's us. If we follow Jesus a couple thousand years after this event, we are those who were far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And he says, There, and many with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them. So the sermon kept going. Uh, But he always ended up saying something like this, uh, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And so those who received his word were baptized. They identified with Christ. And they were added that day about 3,000 souls to this first church in Jerusalem. And it all started because they shared this common faith. Now, there was a couple salvations that happened that day. You're like, oh, I thought there was only one. There is, but there was maybe a better way to say it is there were a couple results that came from their uh, repenting and receiving Jesus, the salvation that received, they got from uh, the gospel. Uh, first of all, and obviously, they were saved from the outcome that awaits a crooked generation. Look at me, if you're kind of new to the Christian conversation, here's the deal. I, I don't mean to be a, a, you know, a downer for you or anything, but if you die in this life, Cease to exist here on this plane. Or Jesus comes back before that happens. And you have not yet confessed your sins and repented from your sins and received from Jesus what only he can give. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. If you have not professed that, no amount of good deeds, no amount of reps in the church will be able to save you from what awaits the crooked generation, those who are still unrepentant and lost in their sins. So the people who trusted Jesus, those 3,000 were saved from the outcome. That is everybody's who refuses to bend the knee to Jesus. That's the most common uh, salvation we think of, but we don't often think that we were saved to something. We were saved from sin, but what were we saved to? Well, a life with Jesus and a life more specifically with the others who follow Jesus. I was saved to a family, an existence with other believers. And so this is the story here in Acts chapter two of the beginning of the family of God in Christ. One of the disciples who was there that day, a guy named John, he wrote many of the five books in your Bible, um, uh, he, he went on to spread the gospel in different parts of uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the region there and he wrote in one of his uh, letters, the first letter, his first epistle, uh, that what we have seen, he and his friends, what we have seen and heard, what we saw when we were with Jesus is what he's saying, what we have seen and heard, uh, we have proclaimed to you also so that you too may, and there it is, Corinthia. Have fellowship with who? Well, you'd you'd think it'd start with Jesus, right? Or God the Father, and he's going to get to them, but isn't that interesting? John's describing his purpose in sharing the gospel, and he starts not with God and Jesus, who are certainly center and, and most important in the equation, but he says, we wanted to have fellowship with you so that you could have fellowship with us in the fellowship that we have with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. It's this package deal. Remember uh, hearing the, you know, the, the messages? of? I don't watch commercials anymore. I try to avoid them. I just don't want anything. But uh, I fast forward through them while I let things tape. It's a long story. Come and talk to me in the corner. I'll explain how I do it. But uh, when I was a kid, you couldn't do that. You just had to sit there and watch them. And so Ronco would always be rolling out the pocket fisherman or, you know, the uh, spray-on hair. Remember when Ronco, you could spray-on hair. Uh, but my favorite was the Ginsu knives. Does anybody remember the Ginsu knives? Now, some of you are younger, you've got to look these up. They're just silly. They, they would sell knives. And, and the way they would get you is they'd tell you the knives, and then they, they'd, be, they'd be like what? But wait, there's more. And then there'd be like an orange peeler. And you're like, orange peeler? I didn't know there was an orange peeler. I wasn't going to get the knives, but now you're throwing the orange peeler in. I guess I've got I to get the phone. Where's the phone? I've got to call. Man, I'm not only going to get knives that can cut through tin cans, I'm going to be able to peel oranges. i got to get this. (laughs) It's, It's stupid. It's a package deal. We're used to the package deal. Everything comes with something. Here's what came with our salvation. Us. John says, hey, man, we came and shared with you everything that we saw in Jesus that you could have fellowship with us as we and you have fellowship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. What a deal. If you're new to the Christian conversation, this is our gospel. We were created by God and for God. Sin separated us from God, but he kept loving us. What what an amazing sentence that is. He kept loving us. And then he sent Jesus, his son, to die for us. He rose again, and in his resurrection and his death, uh, he was able uh, to take on the penalty for your sins and mine and restore it, if we will only believe in him, the connection that was severed when sin came into the world and cut, uh, took us from relationship with God. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That's our gospel. If you haven't understood that, that's who we are. If you haven't understood your need for that, It is grave. And so I pray that if you haven't professed faith in Jesus, you'll come and talk to me before we're done today. And you'll find them. We'll put a rose up here for you, but that's not the reason you choose them. Uh, It's the most important choice anybody can ever make in life. If we have faith in Jesus, we have fellowship restored to us, uh, to God through Christ, and we have fellowship uh, that is created with each other. What a blessing. It all comes from this common faith. Let's talk about. So, we have, do it with me. We have a what? We have a common faith. We share a common faith. What's the next one? Who remembers? We, we share a common family. Here we are in our midst. Uh, all who find faith in J- Jesus, the Bible tells us, are adopted into the family of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus and all that God has. We are made one with God in Christ, that's what it talks about here in Galatians chapter 3, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. And there's no distinction amongst those who are in this family. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. When we put our faith in Jesus, this might help you, uh, we took off this old cloak, this old old garment that was our sin and separation from God, and we put on you know, the, the, the righteousness of Christ. And so no matter who you are, how much money you got, how many brain cells you're using, right? Uh, doesn't matter how old you are or young you are. Doesn't matter where you live, where you grew up. Uh, if you've done time, if you've got time, it doesn't matter any of those things, right? If you have chosen Christ, you have been brought together in His family, and you have Him in common with those who follow Him. Uh, It's been a rough few years for the Red Sox. I uh, haven't been wearing this very much, but back when they were good, I would spend the money it would take to go over and watch them lose to the Rays. Just so you know, every time I go to a Rays game, if you're a Rays fan, be happy. My team is going to lose that night. I don't think I've ever seen the Red Sox beat the Rays over there at Tropicana Field. Uh, but uh, we had just won the World Series in uh, 2013, and I bought this shirt, it's Dustin Pedroia. Go, Petey. And uh, I remember the first time I wore it to the, to the next year's Rays game that I attended. Okay, you're walking in, uh, anybody guessing that, that there wasn't a lot of people, at least in the gate that I entered, wearing this garment? Uh, I got some side, sideways glances. Uh, trop, uh, the trop's pretty friendly. Rays fans are, you know, mostly cordial. There are some places, like Yankee Stadium, if you're wearing this, you better know how to handle yourself. <laughs> right? Because there's going to be fisticuffs. Okay? And so, it's so interesting to walk into a place and just have people who don't know you kind of sneer at you and look at you. It's also interesting in that first moment where you see someone else wearing this garb, there's this instant connection. Isn't that crazy? You're like, <laughs> we're rooting for the same team. Can't say that I'm playing for the same team. People love to say we when they talk about sports teams. You're not playing. Settle down. <laughs> but being on the same team, it's this picture of what it is to go through life with Jesus. doesn't matter where you are. Like, I've traveled by God's grace to lots of different places in the world, almost always uh, in the interest of moving his kingdom forward. And so I get out of an airport, you know, in Africa or Russia or China or India and all the other us, and uh, uh, I walk off a plane to total strangers who are going to basically shuttle me around their country. Never met them before, have no idea who they are, what they're about. All I know is we're wearing the same jersey. Let's go. And as we get to know each other, sure, we love each other on all kinds of levels, but it starts with koinonia. We have fellowship in Christ with the Father and with each other. doesn't matter who we are. The early church became a family there on that day at Pentecost in at least three ways. It tells us in Acts chapter 2 that they were first a spiritual family. Look at verse 42 again. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and prayers. These are all spiritual activities. Uh, they, they, they sought to learn who God was and what he expected from them as they sat at the feet of the apostles. We're kind of doing that right now, right? When you hang out and listen to a sermon like this, uh, I'm not an apostle, but I am, you know, teaching from or uh, loose whatever around the apostles' teaching. I'm giving you God's word. And and that's what the body of Christ, the family of God, uh, is called to do, uh, learn the apostles' teaching, to have fellowship. We've been talking about that. The breaking of bread. Uh, Every time we pass out, it's kind of gotten all, you know, COVID made it all like everybody gets their own packet now. But uh, uh, does everybody understand that this is a a personal reflection on what Jesus has done for you, but it's also a corporate, um, that's why we call it communion. Does that sound like community? Community? common, if you've ever wondered why we call Lord's Supper uh, communion, it's this common experience for the whole body of Christ to be reminded of this faith that we share. Sure, it's mine, but it's ours. And we have subscribed to it together. That's what it says when it says there that they broke the bread. It wasn't just, he's gonna talk about lunch later, but they're referring specifically to the Lord's, almost certainly to the Lord's Supper there. And then finally, prayer. They gathered to pray. I was sitting with uh, a family the other day, and uh, one of the daughters, uh, she's 13, she, she, she's asked me questions since she was like 9 or 10, and she's always come up to me, it's like stump the pastor, it's her mission, and uh, so her name's Ella, and she asked me about prayer yesterday at lunch. Why do we need to pray if God already knows what's going to happen? You ever got that one? Does prayer make, she's basically asking, does prayer make a difference? I would submit to you, yes, it does. Uh, Why do I believe that? Because the Bible tells me it does. That the the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Now, it may not uh, always be that you receive what you pray for. Anybody had that? Asked a lot, didn't get? Okay, but here's what was happening while you were praying. As you're praying, you're connecting with God. Seems like a good thing. Right? You're in conversation with the Almighty. You're building that relationship as you speak to the God who listens when you're praying, you're obeying God, all in favor of obedience to God. Yeah, me too. That's what he tells us to do, pray without ceasing. So, you know, we're honoring him and obeying what he's commanded. Now, we're praying. Now, when we're praying, we're doing what the Son of God did. Did you Remember, like, read the Gospels and be like, wow, he's talking a lot to the Father. We don't have time to go into this. I got more to preach. But Jesus had an active, disciplined prayer life. And if we're seeking to be like Him, Christ-like, as Christ followers, then we got to pray. Finally, we pray to gain wisdom. That's what James told us. Hey, man, if you lack wisdom, ask. Ask God for the wisdom that you lack. Here's what's happened most of the time: we pray, and then I'll get back to the sermon. It's kind of little. It's like a little prayer pen here. Is everybody picking up the prayer? The prayer pen. Um, When you and I pray, we we may ask for God to alternate, you know, uh, outcomes, heal someone, uh, provide this need, and, and we should, okay. But we sh- what we should always pray is two things: Your will be done, and whatever your will is, give me what I need to live out your will for my life. So many people think prayer is like a Christmas list, and if I don't get what's on it, God failed. No, 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 no. Uh, we live in a broken world. Broken things are going to happen. God rescues us for more than we deserve to be rescued from. Does everybody get that? So be thankful for those, and if his will is for a hardship to come to your life, know that he's going to use that somehow for your good because he loves you, and pray for his will to be done and for you to know what to do as you're going through it. All right, prayer sermon over. They were first a spiritual family, but they were a generous family on top of that. Look what it says in verse 45. It says that they were selling the possessions and belongings, distributing uh, the proceeds of those sales to anyone as they had need. Uh, I've I've taught this in multiple different ways, but Christians, if they're going to be like Christ, have to be generous. They have to be givers. And so we're like, here we go. He wants to pump up the offerings. Let me say it one more time. I don't personally care if you ever give to our church. I think you should, spiritually, scripturally, but listen to me. If you're going to make it some kind of thing that you're giving, you know, you just want my money, don't give. That's not cheerful. Keep it. God doesn't need you or it to be, you know, like he needs, he loves, okay, I got to be careful. All right, hang on. (laughs) But I am passionate about this. He loves you, but he needs nothing from you. And he'll take care of what he needs to take care of just fine without us. Amen? But Okay, all that to say, well, good, now I don't have to give. That's not what I was saying. We should give for the right reasons, with the right heart. Because we've been given much by the God who gives. We covered this last week. He makes these investments in us. And we don't just sit there and say, great, look what the master gave me. I'll just bury it in the backyard. No, we invest it for him so that we can give not just what we've earned, but all of it. Does everybody get that part of the parable? Everything that was invested in the servants went back to the master. They didn't keep their cut. It just all went back to them because these servants understood. It's about the master. What I have is his. All right. So give in relationships. Give of your time and treasures and talents. Give in the offering. Give, 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 give. This is what we've been called to, a spiritual family and a generous family. We've been called finally to a relational family. Look what it says in verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together, they broke bread in their homes and they received their food with glad and generous hearts. This is the life group verse. Like like this discovers the first life groups. People met in each other's homes, okay? Anybody go to life group and have food? We used to have mine at Cracker Barrel, and I'm convinced that most of the guys who were coming, it was just for the Cracker Barrel. They were, they were you know, whatever, if I got to listen to you talk about the Bible, Mark, just give me mama's pancake breakfast, right? That's all they wanted. That's not true. But people love food. Who likes food? I'm looking forward to having some here in a couple hours as soon as I'm done. These people got together. They broke bread together. They, they, they hung out together. They watched movies together. Maybe not. They did life together. They enjoyed life together. They celebrated life together. I had the pleasure of hanging out with one of my best friends here in Brandon. Uh, his birthday was this past weekend. All of his family came into town, and me and a few other guys got to hang out with him at his surprise birthday party. They all met him at the, at the golf course and surprised him. And You couldn't wipe the smile off his face, right? This is the, this is the stuff of life celebrating love and family and relationships. It was just an honor to be kind of just tagging along, right? This is like the the highest expression of the goodness that God gives us. And this is what he's called us to in life, to relationships with each other. Can I give you a quick sidebar? People outside the family uh, who are not yet part of God's family, they're drawn to the family through what they see from the family. Did you know that? Like how we act with each other, is a, is a testimony to people uh, and either a deterrent or an attraction for them in coming to Christ. Look what it says in verse 47, praising God. Uh, these these early Christians were hanging out together and praising God and having favor with all, how many of the people? All of them, initially. It doesn't stay that way. Sorry, keep reading Acts. It gets kind of rough. But, uh, uh, but initially here, um, what God was doing in these 3,000 was just having an impact on everybody who saw them. It says that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And certainly it was because the apostles were teaching and people were sharing the gospel. I'm not negating that. That is central to the the life change that needs to happen in people who don't know Jesus. You've got to tell them the gospel so they can accept it. You with me? But, you know, uh, old Frankie of Assisi said, share the gospel at all times if necessary. Use words. Anybody heard that one before? Right? How you live verifies your message. And so apparently in that first church, they were living in such a way that people were like, I gotta get some of that. I don't know what that is. But they're doing it different. And it compels me. When when people come together, it's compelling. Things burn brighter. I had a a backyard fire with Eleanor for uh, her, her birthday. It was kind of a, it's a long story. Her birthday's in December, but we decided to celebrate in January because, so we had, we It's a long story. We just had a fire. Can I just say that? (laughs) Who's built a fire in here? Anybody built a fire? There's a right way to build a fire. Here's how not to build a fire. You don't take each individual log and set them, you know, separated from each other around the perimeter of the fire pit and try to light each one uh, individually. Is that a dumb way to light a fire? If you were at that fire, would you be like, pardon me, Junior, Uh, let me help you with this? Here's how you light a fire. First of all, you get a Duraflame log. (laughs) It's 2024, people. Figure it out, right? I'm not trying to get some kind of Boy Scout badge. I'm just trying to light a fire. So you lay that down there on a couple bricks, and then you kind of make a teepee with the wood, and you light that sucker. And here's what happens. I'll show you. This is my little example. If you put things that are on fire together, hope I can do this. The fire gets bigger. It's not that great of an example, but I didn't want to set things on fire up here. Right? Apart. Together. Yeah, right? Good stuff. That's why we build fires that way. Keep all the stuff that's on fire together. If you're smart, use the Duraflame. It'll, it'll keep going all night, baby, right? But that's why God wants us Together. Because when we're together, we burn brighter when we're doing it well. So let's get to the last part, which is this thing about friction. <laughs> we are um, called to share uh, a common faith. We are called to a common family. And what's the last one? Yeah, we've got this, this problem called sin that still exists in us. Even though it doesn't reign over us, it remains in us. It's still a potential. And so what do we do when sin lands. Friction. You ever thought about friction? Who remembers it from science class? Here's a definition. Friction is heat that's generated by one or more objects rubbing against each other while moving in different directions. That is the church a lot of times, isn't it? because people kind of get in each other's space and they start running in different directions and my preferences and choices run up against your preferences and choices and my interpretations of certain passages run up against yours and all of a sudden there's friction and sometimes it's really good. Friction can be a good thing, don't get me wrong, it can lead us to a better whatever. But not handled properly, uh, friction can divide and bring death to what God has meant to be an agent of life. Friction comes in two forms. There's impersonal friction. These are just kind of things that happen around us and to us that we don't really have a lot uh, of involvement with, whether it's sickness, death, financial struggle, uh, relationships breaking up. Um, in, in those situations, we need to be together and in and, and support of each other uh, so that people can just get through the day-to-day broken stuff of a broken world. Are you with me? Those are the impersonal frictions. Now, but let me talk to you about the interpersonal frictions that exist wherever people are. When humans rub up against each other, a lot of times they rub each other the wrong way. It's the consequence of sinful self interest and the misses that result from it. When we choose sin over God, um, friction is the result and uh, problems are the probable. My, my dad's uh, right now putting together a puzzle at the end of my kitchen table. Byron's 91, his sight is going, uh, but he loves doing a puzzle. His, uh, his great granddaughter got married this summer and sent one of those puzzles, puzzles that you can make where it's a picture of the entire family, right? And they cut it up into a puzzle. So he's been putting his family together. It's just, it's just so great. I'm speaking on being a family. And I'm like, thanks dad for doing that puzzle this weekend. I needed that for my sermon. This is what's wrong. A lot of the puzzle pieces look similar. You know, the shapes are kind of like each other, and they'll be like the white background. And and so Dad, in his uh, earnestness to kind of be done with the puzzle, start just trying to jam some of these pieces in where they don't fit. Has anybody been in this puzzle? Anybody done this puzzle? Right? I mean, it's not that you could, you know, you could tell that the colors are off and stuff like that, but sometimes if it's just like an all-white background, which is what most of this picture is, he's just trying to make, and, and here's what happens. If that one's in the wrong place, guess what? Everything... Is in jeopardy, not maybe everything, but certainly other pieces aren't gonna fit where they're supposed to go because, well, they're supposed to go where that one is and you put the wrong one there. Doesn't that kind of give us a picture of what it is sometimes to be in relationship with each other? In our self-interest and sin, we try to make pieces fit that don't fit and they end up rubbing against each other and that uh, causes more eventual problems. How do we handle up on the friction that we have in common? You'd be uh, happy to know that your Bible deals with it in the New Testament alone, there are over 51 another passages that anticipate the friction that relationships have and tells you how to either avoid it or alleviate it once it's come. Now, I'm not going to preach all 50. You're like, 51 anothers, we're going to be here forever. I'm just going to give you three, and we'll go home, okay? Actually, we'll go to life uh, group, uh, uh, group uh, link, that thing, and you'll find your life group, but here's just uh, three of the one another's. The first one is be humble with one another. It tells us again, clothe yourselves. This is 1 Peter 5. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with Christ and his humility. His humility uh, specifically and how it uh, is, I don't is, you know, uh, uh, an effect in your relationship with each other, your humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. I would add this, I'm not writing scripture here, but he gives grace to the humble so that the humble can give grace through them to others. It's kind of hard to extend grace when you're not humble. And so God says, be humble. Before we talk about all the doing one another's, so we're gonna talk about the being one another, and that's being humble, you know, uh, sin, when we look at each other, sin is kind of, you know, using your natural eyes. My natural eyes stink. Does anybody else have bad natural eyes, right? That's why I wear these buggers, right, so that I can actually see. But what, what your natural eyes do is it, it does is it blurs people. You, and it certainly blurs your purpose with people. You can think that people are all about you. They're not. The, the, the order of things in, in existence is God, others, me. And it's not just God, others I like, in me, (laughs) because that's what we like to do, right? Well, if they're nice to me, I'll like others. But no, God gives us these humble glasses, ha-ha, and he says, let me help you see things like I see them. And in the same way that my son came and became nothing, I need you to become nothing to be last and least, to be humble, to have a mind to wash the feet of others so that friction can be smoothed out. Once humility is in place, then we're able to love one another, be humble towards one another and love one another. Romans, Paul writes it this way, love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing our honor. Uh, Love's the oil in the, the machine that is relationships in the church. If you take love out, I mean, we're gonna talk about that through this whole series Without love, you're a banging gog and a clanging cymbal, Paul writes in Corinthians. It's just not gonna work. So be humble, be loving. And then finally, if I can just encourage you with this one, go easy on one another. Take a step back, get over yourself. But they hurt me! Yeah, they did. They stink, okay? I agree. But guess what? So do you. And in the same way, it tells us in Ephesians, Paul says this to his friends in Ephesus, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Why? Because God in Christ forgave you. You are forgiven. So get good at it down here. It's gonna make things go better. And there's more to that. I don't have time. Let those be the one and others that we leave our time with. Like I said, we're gonna end out here. And in an interest of uh, what we've been given in this common faith, and what we share in this greater common family, and as we seek to understand how we can best benefit from the common friction uh, that God's gonna bring in our lives, we're gonna join life groups. You really need to be in one. It's what needs to happen in life for you to experience the things that God wants to give you in life. It's our preferred community offering here. So please, take the time so that truly, Jesus can be the center of this church. Us being in relationships with him and with his father, like John told us, it's, it's best expressed in relationships with each other. We'll learn the most. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll benefit the most. We need each other. It's a team sport, this Christian thing. Just stand with me say, as we sing Jesus be the center of his church.